Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide Armory's products are military and professionally formulated and approved, featuring a groundbreaking graphene-infused ceramic coating that is safe for all surfaces, providing unmatched protection for any firearm. Discover a new standard in gun maintenance. Order your advanced cleaning kits today at RiptideArmory.com. Riptide Armory, relentless performance for your firearms. Hey, what's up, my Woods people? I'm Tyler Jones, and this is the Backcountry Miniseries from the Element Podcast. Casey, fill them in. Since we are diving headfirst into the backcountry hunting this season, we decided to call in some help and talk to some experts that know how to crush it in the backcountry. So make sure and subscribe, and if this is helpful, we'd love for you guys to give us a five-star rating and an iTunes review. Absolutely. Now let's get into it, because I still have a lot of Mountain House flavors to try before September gets here. What's going on, everybody? Real quick before we start this episode of the Backcountry Series, we are doing a giveaway, and I wanted to let you know in case you hadn't heard, because it is an appreciation for 100,000 downloads, and there are some great things that we're giving away. KC, what does that include? A lot of stuff, Tyler. First and foremost, we're giving away some Onyx Premium Memberships, some awesome apparel, and a pair of Vortex Diamondback 10 by 42 binoculars. But that's not it. If we get 100 reviews... Before we return from the Gila, we're going to give away a trail camera as well. Mm, man, that's a lot of good stuff. A good trail camera, too. <laughs> yeah, Not one yeah. of the cheapos. Yeah, a yeah. good one. Yeah, <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't off the Walmart shelves or nothing here. Um, the way you win that is you would give a review on what is uh, known as, I guess, iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. I don't know, but they're phasing out iTunes. But it's the same thing. Apple Podcasts. You go to your podcast app. You give us a review. Uh, five stars, say something good, and we will. Uh, you'll be in the running for it, for it from the beginning of reviews all the way till the last one, which the last one is going to be uh, sometime while we're basically on the Gila trip. So when we get back from the Gila trip towards the end of September is when we're going to pick the winner, and the winner will have a chance to get binos, hopefully by the time deer season starts. So pretty good deal. Just go give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we appreciate all the downloads, guys, and let's move on to the Backcountry Series. All right, today on the show, we have got Caitlin Berman. She is an old college buddy of mine, and she is an outdoor enthusiast and all around goes hard in the backcountry. Caitlin, how are you today? 
I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. You for are sure. welcome. I'm excited to talk. Uh, I we actually haven't seen each other face to face in probably ten or nine or ten years. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. It's up on a decade. You've been, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, we're getting old. My gosh, um, but um, you're one of my favorite social media follows, and it's just been cool to see you like blossom and start doing what you love to do and pursue, pursue like your passions pretty much in everything you do in life uh and it's i don't know it's just like fun to see people go and do awesome stuff so uh can you tell us a little bit about like what you do on a daily basis and then kind of um just maybe some background on like how life is taking you kind of across the country yeah sure so um right now my daily work looks like i uh i run a climbing gym here in sun valley idaho and so that's a nine to five type situation for me um so uh Paid on call, volunteer firefighter, and EMT, but um, I'm super fortunate to be able to live in just the most gorgeous Idaho mountains, and um, it's really incorporated into the culture of the community that I live in to just get out and get after it. So um, I do a fair amount of horse packing and um, long-distance horseback riding, as well as climbing and mountain biking, and it just transitions with the seasons. Once the snow starts to fall, I transition to skiing and kind of getting out in the backcountry that way on two planks and um, kind of climb all year round with a little bit of ice climbing as well. So, Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it just kind of, my sport is dictated by the season and um, I kind of made my way out here after college. I came from Texas, kind of made a little bit of a pit stop transition in Colorado. And then I kind of kept moving West. I met my husband in Colorado and he's originally from this area in Idaho. And so just kept on going and I'm pretty psyched where I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be too. It looks pretty amazing. And Idaho is a place I've never made it to yet. I've got family up in Coeur d'Alene. I always say that I need to go just uh, have an excuse to go visit, right? <laughs> because it's just a, it seems like an awesome place to be. Um, how did you find, like, your passion for the West? And I'm assuming that, like, for some reason you decided to go to Colorado after college. It wasn't just like a whim, right? Right, yeah. So it, actually during college, I... Um, I worked in Colorado as a backpacking guide for the, and the 14ers. Um, and I've always been just an, ex- I would actually go so far as to say an extreme outdoor enthusiast and just trying to find more access to more public land and learn more skills and other ways to access the backcountry. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found that the West tends to be a little bit more conducive to be able to push those boundaries. Um, there's just not a ton of public land no. <laughs> um, in Texas. <laughs> <not>. So <laughs> um, I think that was one of my big, I, my family traveled to Colorado kind of regularly. Um, and then the more avenues I took, the more new paths I found from there and that that kind of just building effect yeah. sent me farther into the mountains. And now I live pretty, <laughs> according to some people, pretty remotely. It, it's um, pretty hard to get to Sun Valley if you think of it from modern standards. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we, we uh, had to get to Bozeman uh, last summer, and that seemed pretty difficult enough. So, you know, you start talking about places that are quite a ways from even like a secondary airport, and you're getting pretty remote for lower 48 standards. So that's cool. That's a cool place to be. Um you had a pretty big conservation kind of event happen a few years back that it kind of involved that backcountry horse riding you were talking about. Can you tell us a little bit about Ride for Red? Yes. Yeah, so Ride for Red was um, a 900 plus mile 
journey following the salmon run from the ocean to kind of my back door here in Stanley, Idaho. Um, Stanley, Redfish Lake specifically, is the farthest inland that migrating salmon go to spawn. And so two friends and I, um, Kat Canal and MJ Wright, we had a pack string of seven horses. Um, and we rode from Astoria, Oregon to Stanley. That took us about two months. And the entire time we were really focusing on bringing awareness and education and advocacy for wild salmon and steelhead because there's a just drastically diminishing. Um, and so we felt that horse horses are pretty approachable. People are curious while you're riding your horse through downtown Portland, like that doesn't belong there. <laughs> yeah. So um, they, we were able to field a lot of questions um, and where people came and approached us more so than say if we were on a bike um, for a long distance type travel. So um, it was an incredible journey and uh, definitely the longest I've ever packed a horse for sure. No, that's crazy. Um, awesome. That's so cool. So um, I have so many questions. We probably could just do a whole podcast on that another time, but like, is that something that you're accustomed to doing kind of long distance stuff like that with horses in the back country or was that kind of a new thing? No, I would say that was definitely new for me. Um, yeah. I had done some outfitting as far as working for a horse outfitter here in the mountains of Idaho, but all of that was um, much smaller as, as far as scale. And that's kind of where I got my initial skills. And then Cat um, on the ride, she had some pack, past experience with long distance trip. But as far as going that far, um, even two weeks worth of packing would have been a, a next step for me. So that was a, that was a big jump and a lot of learning happened. <laughs> sure. So you're quickly becoming one of my new idols. Um, but I, I have to ask you because, uh, for this series that we're doing, we really haven't had anybody talk about horses. So like logistically, what is, what are the advantages of having a horse, which I can think of a few, maybe off, off the top of my head, but then like also, um, what are the, what are maybe the disadvantages or the things you have to really think about and that may kind of uh, cost you time or, or even just energy in the backcountry dealing with horses? Oh man. Um, well, the, I think a huge advantage of horses, one is just their carrying capacity. So that's their, I mean, that's a, a huge advantage for hunters. Um, and something I'm going to be using for hunting is I'm getting, kind of coming up into this elk hunting and learning. I just started bow hunting this past year. Right. Um, cool. And, um, their ability, horses and mules specifically more, I would say they just, they can handle rough country and you can access places with them, um, that you couldn't on a four wheeler or a truck or anywhere else even. So then the carrying capacity, they can obviously carry more than we as humans can. Um, I would say that's their major thumbs up. Um, other than I just have this instinctual love for horses i like having them with me mm -hmm. and honestly <laughs> i think that's where the pluses end um, <laughs> they're they're a lot of work yeah. uh to take horses into the back country they um they require a lot of care and so um just from a feed their tack the what they will need if they're if they're hurt shoot thinking about shoes if they lose a shoe or do you have the equipment to get it back on or and they, they, they require a lot and, um, they don't actually have, you know, if you have a down tree on a run out cliff side, you, you may not have options because we have, we have saws that we carry and we can saw through 
I mean, if we're feeling super ambitious, maybe like a 12 inch um, circumference log, but some of these trees that come down here during the winter season um, are huge. Mm -hmm. And if we come up on that, we could have to backtrack miles. Um, And horses are, they're not very fast either. Um, (laughs) In in good terrain, we can travel about three miles per hour. Um, And so there, there are a lot of benefits to having them as far as access and carrying but you definitely need to go in <laughs> yeah. with some anticipation of everything that could go wrong. Otherwise, you're going to be carrying a lot without a horse. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, um, in 2017, I was in uh, northern British Columbia on a sheep hunt um, with horses. And it was, I've ridden a horse one time before, uh, which is crazy. I'm, you know, technically I'm a pretty much a country boy, but like I'm just not a farm guy. You know what I mean? I just grew up sure. like uh, chasing hogs and, and that kind of thing instead of, you know, uh, we just didn't have cattle, you know, or whatever. So horses weren't really a part of my life growing up. And so like I get off on this horse in the, in the back country of British Columbia and like every limb threatens to just take me off this horse. You know what I mean? Like he has no regard for the fact that there's a 200 pound human <laughs> on his back, you know? And so like, right. there's definitely like, there were some struggles, uh, that I saw and we had a dude, uh, our, our guide was just like, man, he could just tie any knot and do anything you could imagine with a horse. I mean, he was a for sure cowboy pro, you know, and. Um, that was definitely helpful, but I was like the next year they went on the, the guy that I was videoing for, he went on this, uh, a stone sheep hunt again because he, we didn't tag out that year and, uh, they did 10 miles into the back country by foot in, in similar terrain, but a little less, a little more like, um, up above tree line. And so I was just like, man, I just kind of feel like what we did, um, we could have done on foot, but there was definitely like some big hills and stuff that I was like, I'm kind of thankful I can just lean forward on this horse and go, you know? So I, I <laughs> totally. see, I see that as like, you know, and then the ability also for like, like you said, with the carrying capacity, you have such a, an ability to carry like a canvas tent or something that's really comfortable, you know, and like, um, stove supplies and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I mean, what do you, do you need a big pack on a horse trip? And, and if, if not, have you ever been on just a, a backcountry trip where you needed a good pack and what, what does that look like for you? Um, well, horse, the, the saddles that I use and I should, I, one other thing I should tack on to the advantages of horses is, um, here in Idaho and uh, much else in the West, we have a lot of designated wilderness. And so horses are also mules too, are a great way to access, um, that wilderness area because you can't use any motorized or mechanical advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can set up some pretty awesome base camps that way. Um, but as far as the horses and packing, um, I use a Decker saddle and Mantis, kind of more of a traditional style. And, um, but as far as I do a, also a fair amount without the horses as well. And, um, most of that would be mountaineering based. And for packs for that, I have this super old school Osprey pack that's just been working for years. And, um, I actually had uh, a raccoon chew through part, part of the hip belt and oh. it's still working great. So, um, <laughs> But I do, um, I use a, that's a 65 liter and I probably more so use a 42 liter made by Black Diamond. Um, what I really like about it is it has a separate, the hip belt is separately mounted. So there's flexion built into the hip belt itself. Mm. So there's less rigidity in the entire pack system, um, which I found to be 
pretty darn helpful. Is that the direction you were thinking as far as what you were asking? Sure. Yeah. So is that, is that pack, um, you say it's kind of flexible. It's still a frame pack though, right? It's actually, it's an internally framed pack. So it has two, two stays, um, on the inside, but there's no like external frame to it as you would see potentially on like a hunting pack. Um, just because I need to be a little bit more nimble in like close rock areas for that, for that purpose. Yeah. Uh-huh. So as you transition more into like the hunting side of things, are you going to swap packs and look for something a little bit different? Or are you going to try to roll with that pack and, and see how it treats you? No, I, I definitely, I'm going to look for something different. Yeah. I, I'm, um, you know, for better or for worse, I'm a kind of gal that like matches each activity with its own thing. Yeah. Um, and I, so like I have a different pack for ski for skiing and I have a different pack for climbing. And, um, this past year I just used, I didn't carry a pack for passing out any animals, um, or game, um, because I was planning on using horses. And mm-hmm. so I just had a normal pack for my own, my personal equipment. Um, not, and I, for that, I would just use, um, like a normal 30 liter, just light, here we go type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But um, I'm going to have to do a little bit more exploring. I'm fortunate here to have some mentors for hunting that are going to help guide me in the right way for that. But I don't have one in particular that I'm looking at for this coming season. Yeah, cool. We're kind of uh, in the same boat where I've done a ton of day day packing, you know, where you just kind of go back to base camp at the truck or whatever. But this, uh, you know, you're talking about wilderness earlier um we are going to be hunting a wilderness area there in new mexico this fall and that's kind of the whole premise of this this series that we're doing is kind of learning how to do that overnight backpacking kind of thing and learning how to kind of be sufficient with what you have on your back and you know we're kind of doing the same thing where we're keeping our options open really trying to understand what's going to work best and uh kind of uh exhausting our resources of people and trying to understand <laughs> what everybody uses you know because honestly you can look at stat sheets all day but like if you talk to somebody who's real and who's been out there and done it, like they're going to, what they use is going to matter a whole lot more than, you know, talking about ounces or rigidity or whatever it might be. But, um, so you sound, I mean, you spend a ton of time in the backcountry, and, uh, you were talking about how you're a backpacking guide in Colorado. So I'm sure that you've seen plenty of mistakes by dummies like Tyler and I, or I'll just speak for myself, <laughs> like me, Tyler's pretty smart, yeah. you know, just different things. Um, for instance, I carried, uh, more like one of the half gallon sizes of peanut butter in my backpack one time on an overnight. I thought it was a five gallon. It was a big oh, one. Oh my god! I, I never even opened it. You know, it was like four pounds of peanut butter. So that was stupid. It's over a, for a two night trip, you know. But um, anyways, <laughs> trying to really we call that we call that training weight. Training weight. Yeah, yeah I needed to really train going to the bottom of the Black Canyon. That was a good idea. <laughs> but um, so there's tons of those little mistakes like that. But um, whenever like you see people you know, make a mistake with food or water or whatever it is, what, what does that look like? Like what's the most common mistakes with, with those kind of things? Hmm. Well, I think it, it, one, it just starts the more, uh, this probably goes without saying, but just the more you do it, the more experience you find out what works for you. Cause yeah. even my, my systems are different than, you know, my, my, my climbing partners, for example, mm-hmm. we just have different ways of working with it. I think that, um, <clears throat> common mistake one unless at least just a pet peeve uh is don't put anything on the outside of your pack it's so easy to lose whatever it is you have on the outside of your pack um whether that be an extra pair of shoes or that your whatever it is um yeah water bottle um i've seen people only bring one water bottle and then attach it to the outside of their pack 
they tripped and it just hit their pack right and they just lost their only water container for the rest of the week. Oh, not good. Um, so, and then I just think that also just being very conscious of the efficiency of your system. And so a company that I've really fallen in love with recently is um, Sea to Summit. Um, mm-hmm. They make some really um, <clears throat> lightweight, very compactable to where I can take a 30, uh, that 42 liter pack I was telling you about and I can carry a sleeping bag pad, my clothes, everything that I need and I can be out for five days. And comparatively, that's a pretty small pack. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping that weight down and then I think of the other biggest mistake people made is um, – with their clothing and underestimating their one, their socks and two, their, the shoes that they choose. Um, you can just ruin your trip so fast with a bad pair of shoes and a bad pair of socks. And, um, so that's something that I, <laughs> those good socks are expensive too. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's, it's hard to make that investment, but it is, if that $25 is going to make or break your week that you've been planning for, for months and then it's, it's worth it to me. So, um, those are some of the ones that I, (laughs) I've seen and try to avoid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good tips there. And I definitely think we probably want to elaborate a little bit on some of those, especially you mentioned that, um, it kind of seemed like you might be the type of person that takes two water bottles or two water containers. Is that the case? Yeah. Um, so I usually carry a bladder, um, like a camelback type bladder. Um, just so I make sure that I stay hydrated without having to take my pack off or it's easy for me to just be focused on what I'm doing and forget to stay hydrated. So, um, I'll take a bladder and that's all season. If I'm in the winter, I use an insulated tube so it doesn't freeze in the tube. Um, and then I always, no matter what, carry a separate way to haul water. So whether that's a Nalgene bottle or a roll-up platypus, just because if my camelback springs a leak, um, I don't want to be just completely out of luck. Mm, and yeah. the other thing is I find a hard vessel, such as a camelback, is really a lot easier and conducive for cooking. It's hard to pour water in and out of a camelback bladder and so you end up losing water when you don't mean to and um, it's also easier to filter into a hard container so i use a catadin filter that has a pre-fit um i guess insert Mm -hmm. and so it just fits so perfectly into my analogy that i'll fill that up first um and not waste my time with a spilt spilt something (laughs) and just put it into the into the bladder from there so i i do always carry at least two options yeah. Um, for carrying water. For sure. And you're, uh, are you kind of, uh, gathering, uh, as much water as you can when you have a chance and, and, uh, kind of making sure that you ration it and save it for later? Um, it depends on what I know of my water access points going forward. Mm-hmm. If I know that I am approaching a place where I'm, I'm, I'm planning on camping next to water, then I won't necessarily be at full capacity approaching that day. Um, but if I'm unsure, then I am that some people aren't that type of person, but I am the type of person to, um, over carry water, um, because I'm unsure of where I'm going. <laughs> um, and, um, so it's heavy. And so some people, I've, and that's another mistake I've seen is people think they're out and like they're anticipating getting to their end result and 
then you come up on a microburst or whatever the case is and they're out of water and that really screws your next 12 hours of trying to problem solve. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I'm always kind of, I'm, I think I'm, I trend towards more over prepared than, um, cutting weight. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. I would much rather carry 50 pounds with, you know, an extra half gallon of water as opposed to 40 pounds with only two liters, you know, like it's just, uh, water's something I can't do without. And I don't know if it's just because I grew up in the South and you just got to drink a lot, you know, I don't know, but, sure. and, you know, hydration is important no matter where you're at. But you also mentioned, um, uh, how like wrong socks or wrong footwork footwear can really wreck your trip. Um, and I believe that. So, um, what are you doing footwear wise? Both let's talk about sock, like preparation, how many pairs you carry, what kind you wear. And then also just like, what do you look for in a, a really good boot? And what do you wear? So sock wise, um, depending on what, there's so many depending, but typically I bring a pair for every day. Yeah. So I will change, I'll change socks every day. And then I also, um, I have a pair of what I call sacred socks and those sacred socks live in my sleeping bag and I never wear them for anything where they will get sweaty. They (laughs) They purely stay in my sleeping bag. Um, and I don't even like get out and walk around camp in the morning with them on. They like, they stay there. Um, and that is the reason for that is, um, you actually can, evaporate a lot of moisture, um, through your sleeping bag. Um, it's kind of crazy how that happens. You wouldn't think it would, but, um, it is a really great way to just make sure your feet have the recovery time, especially if they're wet, um, from sweat or walking in creeks or whatever the case was, wet feet are, can be enemy number one. So you want to be able to get those dry at night and, um, footwear wise, I am a little bit non-traditional in, especially horse packing land in that I wear a high topped lightweight, um, hiking boot. So the one that I've been recent, recently wearing is the Adidas Terex. Mm-hmm. And I prefer a high top, um, for ankle, just for ankle protection. Um, I have bad experience with rolled ankles. So I, I, I sacrifice that for it. I know a lot of people are just, uh, like a altering type shoe, tennis shoe type. But this, these are super lightweight. I can't tell you like ounces, but they're amazing. So it, I do trend away from like that um, Gore-Tex leather. Um, and I have it. It's a Gore-Tex mesh, yeah, <laughs> which uh-huh. sounds, sounds silly. And then in the winter, um, for hunting and packing, I use this company called Sneeze. And they are absolutely amazing. They're made in Montana. And you can get them in different heights. That is a full... Um, leather boot and i am absolutely in love with that pair of boots they're keep my feet warm and i can ride and walk in them it's pretty great yeah cool so just uh quickly for clarity this the sacred socks are only for wearing at night while you sleep is that right yep they never leave my sleeping bag okay okay cool do you, so do you leave them you roll them up in your bag at night or do yep. you actually yep yeah Yep. So as soon as i like spin out and i'm getting my coffee i put my next pair of working socks on for the day, secret socks come off and they just get stuffed into the bottom of my sleeping bag. Cool. Cool. So on that note, uh, what, what does your sleeping system look like? Your bag, your pad, your, your tent, what does all that look like? Um, I have a couple options. My, I think my most go-to is I use tent wise. I use, um, 
Oh my gosh, I'm going to totally blank on it. <laughs> um, it's, it's made by Black Diamond. It's super popular. It's a very simple tint. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to get back to you on it because I can't. Yeah, that's like, fine. It's, it's, the traditional one is blue and gray. So people listening might know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, They're screaming but, at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my sleeping system, I use a Siva Summit um, sleeping pad. It rolls up smaller than my Nalgene. Um, and so that would be my, um, insulation from the ground and it, it, you blow it up. You can either manually or you can just let it autofill. And then I use a goose down, um, dry mountain, mountain hardware sleeping bag. It's rated to 15 degrees. I am the kind of person that can use that just being here in the mountains. I use a 15 degree bag pretty universally, um, some people choose to go with a 30 in the summer and then a zero in the winter or less than zero in the winter. Um, but for so whatever reason, the 15 degrees seems to work for me year round. And I might wear like a, like my hat cause I don't like to be sucked into my sleeping bag. That makes me feel claustrophobic. Yeah, I'm a clothes in the sleeping bag kind of guy usually. I think whatever keeps you warm, do it. Yeah. You just choose it and go with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do keep my layers in my bag. I don't have my layers on, but I do keep my layers in my bag with me. So when I wake up in the morning, they're not freezing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea for sure. <laughs> so uh, when you do, uh, you know, say, get to where you're going for the evening and you got your tent and everything set up, you kind of got your sleep system in order, it's time to make a warm, delicious meal and finally warm up after a long day. What are you doing for that? Oh man, this is gonna be such a boring response, but um, <laughs> I'm a mountain house gal. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, it's too easy. So I, it's just so easy, and um, that comparatively they're lightweight. And um, for me, <laughs> I for for better or worse, I'm an eater, so I can eat one of those by myself. Oh yeah. Um, so it's super easy, contained um, cleanup, and so I if I'm going out long long term and I don't have the capacity um, to bring more just like odds and ends, like piecing together recipes. That's just an easy go-to for me. Um, but I do, if I'm going on shorter, like I'd say like a two, three, maybe, maybe even a four night type excursion. Um, I do a lot of pre-planning and I have these, um, little tiny containers that I like separate out all of my ingredients and then I pre-plan and usually that's a type of freeze dry. Like I make like a Thai curry and, noodly carbohydrate based stuff that mm-hmm. you can imagine one might make with hot water. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for I sure. I think my favorite my favorite comfort food in the backcountry is um taking a ramen pack and making it not draining the wa- any of the water off of it after it's cooked and then dumping um dried mashed potatoes on it. It just makes this super yummy pot pie nice. type thing that i find to be pretty easy and um pretty yummy yeah nice. sounds delicious i found those uh idahoan uh individual potato packs to be quite handy when you're talking about yeah. break, taking in some carbs and calories and stuff so yeah. that's cool what's your favorite uh, flavor of uh mountain house macaroni and cheese pretty boring <laughs> that's the that's the staple we've it heard is. that a couple times you know it's just like it's good i'm a biscuits and gravy kind of guy myself i don't know if it's this that southern roots thing or whatever but man biscuits and gravy it is pretty good. hard to beat it is Sometimes a little bit like it just hits the spot it yeah. does it does it's good stuff um cool well uh if you had like one tip to someone who is trying to maybe take that next step and live like a night or two out of their backpack and try it out what would be your tip for that do your research 
and then just do it. <laughs> Don't yeah. be scared. I like um, it. Because I think um, overthinking it, you know, think putting some effort and thought into it is essential, but overthinking it to the place of like, oh, this is too much. I'm never going to be able to do it is um, just ruining your chance to do it. So mm-hmm. um, I think that just jumping in and experience is the best teacher. So if you're thinking about it, go for it. Awesome. Cool. That is some good advice there. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much. You're a wealth of information on this stuff, and we might just have to have you on the podcast again because you're pretty much a natural at this thing. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it might be hitting you thank up again you. one of these days, maybe to hear about how hunting season went for you. But if people want to uh, learn more about you or ride for red or maybe come uh, see what uh, your gym's all about there in Idaho, where can they find out more about you? Um, well, I'm on social media. You can follow my handle. It's kburn12. You'll see a random collection of things that I like get to get out and do. And, um, if you wanted to come visit Sun Valley, Idaho, I'll be at the Wood River Community YMCA climbing gym or at the fire station. <laughs> so, um, it's, a it's a great place to visit if you're feeling like it exploring the mountains of Idaho. Awesome. Cool. cool. Well, we will, uh, we will link to that in the show notes below. And again, Caitlin, thanks so much and, uh, good luck. Have fun this summer and good luck in the woods this fall. Great. Same to you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. See ya. See ya. Man, that was some killer info. If you found this interview helpful, be sure and leave us a review below and comment what you thought was the most helpful tip from this episode. For sure. Make sure you also follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, and also subscribe on YouTube so you can see how these hunts turn out. Remember, this is your element. Live in it. <laughs> Been waiting my whole life for that. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide, a veteran-founded business, is dedicated to producing American-made cleaning chemicals and also dedicated to creating American jobs. And that commitment is embodied in every product that's bottled, labeled, and shipped from their Arvada, Colorado facility. Safe for all firearm types and surfaces. Embrace the power of American ingenuity and protect your firearms with the best. Visit RiptideArmory.com. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels it can also generate income in both the near and long term like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across america enough dreaming about it land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space 